Joining me now, our good friend from somewhere near Heartland, Minnesota, Mr. Al Beck. Good morning, Al. Hey, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Another uh, beautiful day in the neighborhood. So it's we were um, supposed to be in Marshall today for softball, but I don't know how that's gonna. <laughs> that's probably not gonna work. So maybe it's not. One of those things. Yeah, it's hard, boy. You think about the high schools and junior highs and uh, trying to get in baseball games and softball games. Some of them have dome uh, places where they can play, so they get in their games. But the rest of them, it's pretty hard. And when some of these small schools that don't have a whole lot of pitchers and they have they can only pitch so many innings, it makes it very difficult. But it's it's always been that way. The only difference when I played, you could throw a pitcher out there and he could just keep pitching until his arm actually fell off, I think. <laughs> so they it's a good thing that they put some restrictions on that. I want to thank uh, Betty Alavan. She's from uh, rural Mapleton. And uh, my wife and I visited with their garden club there. And I'll bet their garden club has a name other than the garden club, but maybe not. Maybe it's the Mapleton Garden Club. But it was fun being there. And Betty has, she has cameras in wood duck boxes. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you can watch what's going on in there. And the one we were watching on her television was a hooded merganser which is a fish-eating duck, and they are uh, cavity nesters. And the other box, oh, I'm going to forget the number, but it was like a half dozen eggs each laid by a wood duck and by a hooded merganser. And then they cover them up, but nothing was nesting, nothing was incubating those things. So it was just kind of a, a dump box where they had to lay an egg somewhere, so they put it in there. And also like to thank everybody was at the Hastings Earth Day Birding Festival. A lot of fun folks up there, and uh, got to speak to them and then uh, go out. I led uh, two field trips, and it was fun seeing all the birds, uh, a lot of flooding up in that area. Some of the roads were underwater, and some of the places where we normally go to look at birds, we could still get down in there. We just had to turn around and go back the other way. But it's uh, it's the time of the year where I love hearing the birds. They're singing. Some are searching for mates. Some are declaring territories. There's still others that are just working on their songs. It's like spring training for them. They're just out there trying this tune, and you can almost see them thinking. They'll sing some of the young ones, and then they just kind of say, wow, that was pretty bad. Maybe I better change this. Uh, the bad weather in April and the return of the turkey vultures uh, brought buzzards into blizzards. I uh, listened to a white-throated sparrow singing in the rain the other day, and their plaintive whistles, old Sven Peterson, 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 are vocal rainbows. They just, uh, they thrill me to no end. Uh, morning dove flew into a tree overhead this morning, and I, I looked up for a nest because I thought, well, you know, they nest quite a bit, so they might be starting one. Their nest is a flimsy assemblage of twigs that allows the eggs to be seen from below. I've seen morning cloak and red admiral butterflies on wings. These are butterflies that hibernate. I spotted a yellow-bellied sapsucker. Now, there was, there were two singers, and I hope I got their names right. They were Jack Blanchard and Misty Morgan. Uh, 
and they sang a lot of, oh, I don't know, cute, some might call them silly songs. I, I liked them, but they had a song called The Yellow-Bellied Sapsucker, and it had uh, one of the uh, lines from it I remember is, you made me feel like a yellow-bellied sapsucker. I guess it uh, doesn't get much, well, maybe it depends if you're a birder, you probably say, well, that's all right, you know, you made me feel good. But I heard this sapsucker drilling holes in a tree because they, well, sapsucker, they suck sap. And the stuttering cadence of its hammering sounded as if it were tapping out a Morse code message. So it's one of the woodpeckers that's pretty easily identified from their tapping. <clears throat> and it really does sound like one of those old movies where they're sending the Morse code. Uh, well, on the subject of sound, spring peepers called. I was walking along in a quiet woods when they began singing. And it was if, as if I had been wearing some of those big earphones over my ears that give me a quiet, silent environment. And then I removed them, and the world became clamorous. That's how it was with these peepers. And spring peepers are frogs. They're about a inch and a half long maybe they make that crystal clear peep call and i always think jeepers creepers listen to those peepers they're loud little things one study found that when near their voices hit about 90 decibels and that's a pretty impressive feat for such a small little guy i saw some swamp sparrows in my yard and that's I love seeing them. They're really beautiful little birds, and they're almost always seen near water, even during migration. And they nest all over Minnesota, and I thought, well, they're not really near water, but you know they are, because I got a, a bit of a slough out in my woods right now, so I guess uh, most every backyard is near water for a swamp sparrow. P. Jean Shampoo, who lives listens from uh, Ohio. Her last name is C-H-A-M-P-O-U-X. And she listens from Columbus, Ohio. And she said, I think I saw a wild turkey strolling through a yard not too far from a botanical park. It was a park that lost two deer when I was on my way to church back in October. She, I heard from her at that time. She had a Prius that she just loved a lot of Prius people uh, love their cars, and she hit these two deer, Uh-oh. totaled out her car, and it didn't. Uh, she pretty much totaled out the deer as well. She said the turkey was large and dark black. I think I'd mislabeled a bunch I'd seen along the same road a bit north. Thought they were turkey vultures. I think the animals are becoming our friendly neighbors, rather like the primary reading book titles that taught us about being nice to each other. My new Prius has almost 7,000 miles and survived our winter, but not my garage parking irritations. Red-tailed hawk near Ohio State University Farm Road was waiting for its underground buffet to emerge from the winter fields. Perched high on a wire, I doubt that it was very hungry. Joan Anderson of Albert Lee had 18 turkey vultures on and around her dock. So dead fish, I'm guessing, somewhere. Lynn Cornell of Rochester saw a pine warbler. Jim Olson of Albert Lee said, Al, I noticed great blue herons in the spring and summer months flying low, appearing to travel for miles back and forth. Where do you suppose they are going to and from? 
the herons have really good eyesight. So they're and they have great night vision. So they're able to forage both day and night. So we see them flying back and forth from hunting grounds to roost or rookery. And they can fly quite a ways. So they're at a rookery and they decide, boy, there's a there's a great fishing hole about a mile away. That's no problem. They'll fly that far. Uh, TJ, Tom Jessen of Medelia said, Al, I went out to check on the goose in the, this is the Canada goose, in the eagle's nest along the Watanwan River today. She's still there. The nest is on the east edge of the Watanwan WPA in western Blue Earth County. Jody Bromlin of Albert Lee said, Hi, Al. I thought you may appreciate this. Last week, one evening, our son and three-year-old grandson, Odin, were sitting by their fire burning sticks in their rural home. They could hear an owl, so of course they hooted back. It sounded like a barred owl. Odin was in awe. Then all of a sudden there was the chaotic call of the bard after hearing the who cooks for you all call. Odin decided it must be monkeys. They enjoyed responding to the owls and monkeys. Later, when Odin's dad told him that it was time to go inside and get ready for bed, as they were walking back to the house, Odin called out several times in a loud voice, You owls and monkeys have to be quiet now, because I'm going to bed. (laughs) Of course, later when Odin was telling us about the owls and monkeys, he mimicked their sounds, and it did sound like monkeys. Thank you, Jody. Yeah, barred owls can sound like monkeys. Uh, I used to walk in the woods with a niece that was the same age as I am, and uh, they used to just scare her, something fierce. She would just, we'd be great out in the woods. I'd get her all primed up because I said, this is a great place to be, and a barred owl would start doing that monkey call, and uh, Georgette would be gone. She would have ran all the way back to the house thinking there's something out there that's probably got Alan, but that's all right. You, The rest of us are still here. Uh, Sandy Kopeshka. Sandy is from Fairmont. She sent some photos of a bald eagle in flight. She said, our, uh, our nesting bald eagle flying around. And we think the nests are blue herons, a lot of them flying around. And on the photos, she showed a rookery. And uh, some people call it a heronry. And it's where all these uh, great blue herons nest together in these big, big trees. Um, I don't know who this is from, but the question is, what is the most hunted mammal in this country? Deer, I'm guessing. Is it deer? You know, that would have been my guess. And I'm not a hunter, so I don't know. um, You know, I have hunted. I'm just really bad at it. (laughs) And I, I... I want to say this one is bunny you should ask, because I checked with the Minnesota DNR, and they say the eastern cottontail is the number one game animal in the United States. Really? But I'm not certain as to the measurement used in that determination. Perhaps it's on the number of, uh, of harvested game. But according to a 2016 survey by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service, this is based on the number of hunters and it also includes game birds, there are far more deer hunters than any other particular hunter, uh, hunted 
it's like four times turkey is the second most popular but there's like four times as many deer hunters as turkey hunters but for the rabbit but, thing you know nobody has to get licenses for rabbits so i mean i'm guessing they're just going out and trying to keep them out of the garden aren't they you know i don't i just, i think they maybe are supposed to have a small game uh, I'm not sure how that works in your own yard if you're able to blast the one that's eating in your garden. I I do know that they said that deer were the number one, turkey number two, squirrel was number three, rabbit and hare four, then ducks, doves, quail, and geese. Those were the, the top as far as number of hunters. And I don't know. Somebody probably let us know. I, I think you probably have to have a a small game license and then that allows you to probably shoot squirrels and rabbits and a number of things like that. Uh, Gordy Lukow of Fairmont spotted a white wood duck, sent me some lovely photos. Walt Pop of Hastings told me he's an avid birder. Each, you know, uh, most of us go birding. We say, man, this is what I'm going to see, then I'm going to see this, and I'm going to go over there and see that. We always have that bird in the on-deck circle. We'll say, we'll deal with this bird, and then that bird over there we're going to see. Walt is different. He goes birding with low expectations. It's like when I do my own cooking. I just think, oh, this isn't going to be good. But Walt goes with low expectations, but there's a m- reason for his madness. That way, he is always surprised by what he sees. So I thought that's kind of a cool way to, to go birding. Uh, ben Douglas. Uh, I've gone birding with Ben. He's from Lake Elmo. And in 2018, last year, he did a state park big year. And he birded 73 state parks and state recreational areas. Itasca State Park was the last uh, on his list. And this year, he's visiting all 87 of Minnesota counties, and he's checking off each bird species seen in each county, hoping to get 10,000 total ticks. And it's TICS. And that means if you go to Blue Earth County and you see a red-winged blackbird, a cowbird, a yellow-headed blackbird, grackle, and a crow, that's five species, that's five ticks for that county. And then you go to Nicollet, see the same five birds, that's five species, five picks, ticks for that one. So you have 10 total ticks. Well, he's hoping to get 10,000 total ticks this year. So um, I tell Ben he's, he's nuts, and I think he, en- he enjoys hearing that. Uh, I've mentioned this, I know, before, but Good Earth Village is having a lunch and learn invitation uh, to uh, sending out a lunch and learn inv- invitation to everyone. I'm part of this particular one. So I'd love to have you join me for a nice meal. I'll be talking about birding. I'd love to hear your stories. This is on Monday, May 13th from 11 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. at Good Earth Village in Spring Valley. Uh, there's a free will offering. If you'd like more information or to RSVP, just go to goodearthvillage.org. And you'll see Lunch and Learn on there. Um, and, Karen, I know we get this question, oh, probably, I don't know, two or three times every year, but it's still, it's, boy, if you got poultry. I, my wife and I raised poultry till not all that many years ago, and this particular person said, I raised ducks. Show them at the fair. 
said, I found one of them headless. Ooh. What did that? Oh, yeah, we have and heard it this. is kind of creepy. You yeah. got these, they become pets. You know, you get up in the morning to go out and feed them, and here's one without a head. It's just, it, you know, is it an act of terrorism? What is going on? Uh, maybe a duck mobster out there, a mafia <laughs> thing going on? Uh, there are a number of predators that could be the culprit, but typically it's the work of a great horned owl. So, and they're just... Uh, Oh, you know, owls are just trying to get by is what they're doing, So too, how so. many would they do, like one a week, one a month? I mean, could you lose your whole flock of ducks or, or fowl if there was a great horned owl around, and what would you do about it? Yeah, you sure can. Uh, they're like us. If we go to we go to a cafe, and we say, man, the food here is really good. So the next time you're around, you say, boy, I'm feeling a bit peckish. Where do you go? You go to that same cafe. Here's a great horned owl. It's got young ones in the nest, and it's saying, man, that duck was really good. So I'm going to go back there, and I see there's more ducks there. So it's just going to keep coming until uh, something happens. Uh, the ducks are put away uh, more securely. Uh, something happens to the owl, or uh, it runs out of ducks. So, yeah, it sure will come, uh, come around again. I had a... Um, at the Earth Day, there was a lot of kids. <coughs> they uh, they divided a lot of the kids that knew a bit about birds and sent them out with, like, teenagers, and they uh, went out and counted to see how many birds they could see, which was really cool. Uh, some of these young kids were just uh, uh, really dynamite birders. And one was uh, came in. She was a, a beautiful little blonde gal, and she came over, and she said, that her sister was out watching birds with a boyfriend, and she thought she maybe she should do that. And she said, I'd like to start watching birds. When's the best time to start? And I told her today would be the perfect day, and that's what I tell everybody. Today's the perfect day. So she did end up going out birding that day, and I didn't get to see her again, but I hope she had a good time. So it's just, it was a... A pretty nice day. I know down here there was snow on Saturday, but we missed all that up there. But it was cold enough that I'm walking around Afton State Park, and I expected to see more birds than I, than I did. I wasn't with Walt Pop, who would have expected to have seen no birds, and then he'd been really excited about seeing any birds. I expected to see a lot, but they were really, really quiet. And I think part of it was was it was so cool and dark that they were concentrating on feeding rather than singing about it. Hmm. So I think that part of the reason we just didn't see many birds was that it was just a, it was they had to eat, and I think that sometimes happens. Have you ever noticed when you're at a dinner table or something and everybody's eating, it's quiet too, except for maybe some chewing sounds, which you can tell when they're really, really hungry, all of a sudden everybody's yakking and then the food comes, zoom, quiet. Same thing. That, that was, yeah, that was my family. Dad was one of 12 kids, and he always said you had to be quick, otherwise you had four <laughs> cool ones on your hand when you're reaching for something. And my family is, would surprise nobody is pretty talkative. So before the meal, everybody is just we're sitting down and just blah 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 <laughs> blah blah. And then the food would come and just boom. Then everybody's just uh, eating, and then you're done. Then you sit back and then you just talk about. And it was amazing. My dad would take up right where he left off. 
he would be talking about something like stop in mid-sentence, eat all these mashed potatoes and pork chops, and then he'd go right back and take up right where he'd left off. It was uh, that's amazing to maintain that because the rest of us were saying, oh, is a, those are the best mashed potatoes, which I, I think pretty much every time I eat mashed potatoes, I say those are the best mashed potatoes. But, yeah, that's uh, exactly right. That's uh, the way we are, too. So it was. we did see a lot of great birds. We saw a pair of ravens being uh, hectored by American crows. Now, this would be in Washington County, and this is a... I think as far south, typically on the northern edge of Washington County, is where you will see ravens. You don't see them uh, farther, farther north than that. It, it was really cool to see them. These big birds being chased around by the crows, and it was um, it, it was fun seeing them. And they were the first time that ravens had ever been seen in Afton State Park. So we had to put a little extra checked by that so uh, no big record or anything but still it's the first time anybody ever seen those there so that was nice somebody said how long does a morning dove live the oldest morning dove was at least 30 years and four months old when it was shot in florida in 1998 now in a perfect world it would have been shot by a, a jealous dove and but uh, an angry husband dove who shot this old morning dove, but of course it was shot by a hunter. But it had been banded in Georgia in 1968, and I have been told many times too that the morning dove is the continent's most popular game bird. And again, I don't know what that means. What do you mean popular? I we just read and. I just mentioned that the number one hunted bird by far is the wild turkey. So again, I'm thinking this must mean that more morning doves are shot than any other birds. That's the only thing I can I can throw out there, I guess. And again, if anybody knows for sure, I'd, I'd love to hear because I'm just I'm just guessing at this. But I know I. Uh, been told and read that it is the most popular game bird out there, and I'm looking at two of them out my window right now as I'm saying this. So, and they act like they're listening. So I hope not, but they they probably are. I have seen many many dandelions. I like seeing dandelions. The honeybees use them. Is it the most nutritious food for a dan or for a a bee? No, it, it isn't. But in many cases, it's the only food out there for bees early in the spring. There's just not anything out there. So we can think of dandelions as oh, a snack food or junk food. For salad, bees. but it's salad for yeah. us if you want. Well, yeah, that's right. It's good too. Well, it, it helps bees get by, and I know some people are saying it's probably not the best food for them. Well, you're right, it's not, but it's food, and we've all been, oh, maybe traveling or something late at night, and you 
you say, man, I'm so hungry, but I just don't have time to stop. You dig around, you find one of those old halls, uh, mental lipless cough drops or something, and you unwrap it, some <laughs> of the paper sticks, sticks to it. But you throw it in your mouth and go, oh, that is so good. They're just, we just need food. And that's how bees are with uh, with the dandelion. I have not seen a whole lot of bees. I've certainly seen some. Uh, it's uh, I love bumblebees. I, I try to get out every morning and pet the bumblebee. I know I don't. They doesn't seem to irritate them very long. Uh, the lifespan of a worker bumblebee is probably two to six weeks, maybe 28 days on average. So uh, often I'm petting that same poor bee, and they die with the first hard frost. Oh. And bumblebees rely on the queen to live through the winter and renew the population in the spring. Then a queen mates in the fall and finds a underground place to spend the winter, and she lives about a year. So she has a, a little bit of memory. I don't know that I've ever petted a queen bee. That has to be my goal. I just never <laughs> see a queen hummingbee on flowers very much. So, but I well, I the, how do you know if it's the queen? I mean, do they have like a little dot on their back like they do when you see them in the hives? <laughs> well, they got a little tiny uh, tiara that they wear, a oh, little crown, okay, and a robe. In a robe. So, yeah, a I mean, no, serious, seriously, are they? Do they look much different, or? Yeah, they uh, they're bigger typically. Okay. okay. So, and uh, I just uh, I just never see them on on flowers, and and huh. I probably have seen them and just uh, haven't paid much attention. I've certainly seen them by nests and things, and I've seen them in. Oh, late fall, I've seen bees uh, that are uh, certainly queens. But for the most part, the ones I'm dealing with are the uh, the humble, bumble worker bees. And I hear people every so often refer to them as a humble bee. And I never know if, they're, if it's intentional or it's just a a twist of the tongue that comes out and says it's a humblebee instead of a bumblebee. <laughs> but I, I sure like seeing bumblebees. They're just one of my favorite things on earth. And uh, it, it just makes me happy whenever I see one. I hope everyone will have uh, just one of their best days ever today. And I hope you all come to the cafe where the food chain is missing a few links. The special is always Heimlich Maneuver and gravies considered a beverage and now featuring authentic leftovers with less hair in the food and real cup holders where grease is good and none of the food smells like feet. Well, hardly any. I'd been booked to speak in Washington, D.C. The folks who hired me had sent me a Things to See DVD about D.C. So I walked around Washington, D.C. in a night as dark as a night bathed in artificial light could be. The rain poured down. Most of it fell directly on me. I wore a suit and tie. I had no umbrella. I seldom have an umbrella. And I I thought to myself that I smelled like a wet dog as I boarded a subway train, the Metro, to get from here to there. And my dress shoes had become slippery with the water. That turned my journey into a giant slip and slide, and it allowed me to lurch forward with the train's movement, and I kind of bent over and I head-butted 
a seated passenger, dislodging his mammoth headphones in the process. I apologized profusely while other writers pretended not to watch. And it knocked me so goofy, for a while I thought I was a member of Congress. Remember, folks, Heartland as well, we're driving past. Uh, thanks for listening. Karen, thanks for your exquisite company. Everybody get out there and do something wild. Take a look at a bird. Hey, you, thank you, Al. We will be back with you next week. Thanks again. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.